filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues, including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. That's the magic number. Three. It is. It's the magic number. Three. Somewhere in this so I had a strange like 24 hours. Uh, I at like nine o'clock last night was in the grocery store buying odds and ends and decided I was going to make chili uh, because I saw the weather forecast for the coming days and decided I needed uh, food to prepare myself for that, regardless of the fact that it was nine o'clock uh, and it was not time to make chili. Um, to, 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 gird, to gird your loins. Yes. It, it was more important to be prepared for the future than it was to be prepared for the more immediate future. Um, so I made chili. That went on until the, the wee hours of the evening. Um, and then later that, or I guess, yeah, later that day, technically, which is still today as we record on <laughs> Wednesday, um, I was asked to go meet a dog because my mom is adopting a dog and... Uh, she wanted to make sure, I guess I will be the primary backup plan if she goes out of town or something. So she wanted to make sure that I also get along with the dog. Um, so I went over to the pound and met a dog and it was a pretty good dog. Uh, and then. Who's a good dog? Who's a good uh, dog? She is a good dog. Who's okay, a good dog? <laughs> um, and so, uh, they were like, yeah, it'll be like two days or seven days before we can tell you whether we'll allow this adoption. Um, but then within like the time it took her to my mom to drive home, they'd already called back and were like, Hey, we're okay with you adopting this dog. Um, cause I guess if you present enough of a reason for them to let you, uh, adopt a dog, then they are very excited about that. And this is the SPCA and they've got many dogs that all need homes. So they were very much in a rush to like get these dogs adopted to places they belong. Um, so I guess I'll... I'll, there at some point there will be a dog about. Uh, I I figure at some point I'll be doing a filibuster in which the dog is under my care, um, and I'll have to. I'm like, certainly looking forward to that. It's it's about time you got some, uh, an animal guest on on the show I the thought, way the way Ben so frequently has and and I somewhat less frequently have. See, I thought you were my, going my, to my, say my... some sort of grounding where you have to be more responsible, like responsible enough for an animal. No. Um, uh-huh. Contrast no, this with my like it's eleven a or it's eleven p.m. Let me start cooking chili Dude, story. Your dog would or your mom's dog would love that. You're up and about and like no, that's true. Would, but the, what happens the, when it's like seven the in the dog. morning and you need to get up and feed the dog? You're you're in a Dude, as I the, found out, the dog today. will wake you up if you have to wake up. Like if the dog needs you something, the dog will let you know. No, I know yeah, that I've true. had dogs before, but also. Uh, there is a battle of wills, and I'm not sure that dogs have a stronger will than I do to stay asleep when I have not gotten enough sleep. Um, but that's <laughs> I, a problem for future Jason, which was also a thing I said to myself <laughs> while I was making chili at, at like one thirty in the morning and stirring chili. I was like, this will be a problem for Jason tomorrow. This is an awesome idea right now. Um, and it is an awesome idea. I actually have chili with me. Um, I'm not going to eat it because it would be loud on the podcast, but I have it and I was eating it before we started. And as soon as we finish our podcast, I will resume eating it. I also made cornbread and a skillet. Uh, so I've had an eventful and good 24 hours, I would say. So the chili and the cornbread both came out? 
everything came out great. Uh, the, the, the cooking was not in question. I was not worried about cooking these dishes. It was just the, what's going to happen when I need to wake up? Um, that was a question, but I, you know, I dealt with it as best I could. I don't feel awful right now. I just feel like I kind of wish I could finish eating and just immediately pass out right then and there. And on I that also, note, I also stayed up as late <laughs> as Jason to interrupt you. Yes. Specifically. And. But you're doing fatherhood things. You were doing extremely responsible things, whereas <laughs> I was doing something that was just modestly irresponsible. Right. Now, I slept for three hours and then woke up in the time that right. Jason was up to, that entire time. To take care of a young child. That's like peak responsibility. No, no just, just to take care of myself. The, the young child slept through all of this. Oh, oh! I thought I just assumed you were taking care of a child. No, yeah, no, Penn, she you was should just you should have just, just taken up. the credit, dude. Yeah, I should have. I mean, yes, I was awake to take care of the young child. There you go. <laughs> is it? A, is there a way to say "and on the previous note"? No, it's it's gone. You have to just live with it. <laughs> the note is gone. Yeah, I, have, I, I. Hey, hey! Welcome in. This is filibuster, <laughs> the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. Uh, they are Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about DC United and lots of other soccer things. Uh, tonight, we have a special second episode this week where we are talking about the expansion draft and really anything to do with the two expansion teams coming into we Major League Soccer men. in 2017. We clearly are madmen. Uh, we're talking to Rob Ussery from DirtySouthSoccer.com and Garrett Denny from ePluribusLunum.com. Uh, those are the two newest members of the SB Nation Soccer uh, stable of websites to which we belong. Um, and we're going to talk to to both of them. Before we do that, though, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I kind of took a page out of your book, Adam, um, from from our previous episode. Oh, no. He's drinking a mule. That's it. it. Yes, but it's a different kind of mule. Um, okay. I, I drank all of my beer, so I needed to make something else anyway. Um, so I made myself uh, a, a Kentucky mule. I have uh, okay. seven, 1792 small batch bourbon, uh, the juice of half a lime, and topped it with Gosling's ginger beer. Uh, the ginger beer you can find at your grocery store. That should be their, their slogan um, because other grocery stores – generally tend to only carry the one kind. Um, and this is the one almost in every grocery store I've ever been to anyway. Um, but yeah, it's uh, a good refreshing uh, contrast to the chili, which is heavy and spicy. All right, that's good. I was going to ask how it pairs with the chili. I'm glad it's uh, it's not overpowered by it or anything like that. Uh, I went I went much simpler. I'm, I'm just drinking Michter's bourbon neat in a glass. It is tasty. It is bourbon. It is good. You're, you're, you're falling into a rut like I did with uh, all of my Manhattans. Yeah, this was because I was ru- this. I, I don't like to preface a story like I was running late because I was writing the show right up until after <laughs> we started the call. And so I didn't have time to make something. But that's the actual story. I like to say, you know, I'm just keeping it simple. But but really, it's I, I did not adequately manage my time. Thank you, Ben, for bringing up this sensitive subject. What are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking. I don't think I, I. I don't think there's a real term for it, but I'm going to go with it. Is a uh, tequila hot toddy. I'm drinking tequila and uh, apple cider uh, warmed up on my stovetop. And how is that? It's actually it's actually fine. 
It's, okay. You, you wouldn't you wouldn't think it's fine based on my no, description. I wouldn't. I didn't. I'm it still not sure I do. Weird, but I'm I'm very curious about it. I can't. It's, there aren't too many hot tequila beverages, uh, and I think there's I a good reason for that. But what, what, I, I can't what if prove ben it. Has, what if Ben has done the rarest thing? Like in in 2016, it's hard to discover anything new on planet Earth. What it's if true. Ben? What if Ben is a pioneer and we didn't know? All right, Jason, you you have more tequila in your house, I think, than I do. In I don't mine. have much left. I'm going uh, to buy some some soon. All right, I I may try a a hot tequila beverage at some point in the near future, just because, I mean, Ben, Ben saying it's fine. Isn't the most ringing endorsement I've ever no, heard. No, no, no. Th- this definitely needs more experimentation and, uh, and verification. All right. Uh, I think we should throw this open to the listeners. Um, anyone who tries a, a hot tequila beverage, go, go crazy experiment with it over the weekend responsibly. Uh, send us an email, filibusterpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at filibusterdcu and let us know what you made, how it went, and, and whether it was terrible, as I'm sure many of them will be, because hot tequila sounds terrible. But if it uh, is terrible, make sure to tag Ben in your tweet. Yes. Uh, so that he can be scolded by you. Yeah. But if, if it's you- good, you better give him credit. Like yes. it has to go both. <laughs> I'm not sure it does. I'm mostly just in favor. Yes, of yes, it does. I, I, I get ben, nothing. I ben get has, nothing. If, so give me my due. Right, if Ben the, has the winning t- drink, the, whatever we decide is the best drink. Um, we may we may replicate, and we will call it the Bromley. That will be your credit. Only if it's good, or if it's terrible. Oh well, if it's terrible. <laughs> it should also be called the Bromley. Yeah, that's true. Yes. I mean, if it's like that's just true. modestly bad, then it's probably just not worth pursuing. But if it's yes. like remarkably bad, then we should we should make sure to acknowledge this. Uh, you're you're pioneering in a bad way rather than a good way. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll be down with it. Uh, so I I guess let's let's jump into this and bring Rob on the show. It's time to welcome in Rob Usery from Dirty South Soccer. He writes about Atlanta United. Rob, welcome to the show for the first time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully not the last. We start every interview with this question. What are you drinking? I have a nice ice cold blue Powerade with me right now. Excellent. It's much better cold than it is warm in my experience. Yeah, I can, I can, I can concur with that. Uh, let's talk about the expansion draft. Atlanta United got some, I, I would say the bulk of your new players, but it was a, a shortened expansion draft and Atlanta's been pretty busy. So I'll start this off by asking who had the better expansion draft, Atlanta United or Minnesota United? I'll give, I'll give the nod to Minnesota United. Um, they had a pretty good, solid overall draft. I really liked their two additions of Colin Warner and Mohamed Saeed. And plus, I mean, Minnesota just needs a win right now, can't, don't they? <laughs> yeah. It's true. They they haven't done much <laughs> so far. We're going to talk to Garrett Denny later uh, about that. Uh, what would you say was the theme of Atlanta's expansion draft? What what boxes got checked off? They were going all out defensive um, defense in this draft. I mean, over the last two or three months, they've been scouring the globe for off attacking talent from Argentina and from Paraguay and Trinidad and Tobago all over the place. And this was really about finding those key defensive positions to fit in the cap. 
Let's talk about that defense. It looks like uh, the top two center backs on the roster right now are uh, Michael Parkhurst and Zach Lloyd, uh, both good players, um, especially assuming Lloyd comes back from from the concussion issues he faced this year, which I think everyone ought to be rooting for him to to do. They're both a little undersized, though, if you pair them together. Do you think they can work together in Atlanta or or should Tata be looking for a, a, a third option there? It's very interesting to see how that's going to work out. They did just add Jeff Lorenewis today. You can play a little bit of center back. I'm not sure he's a candidate to start with those two in the mix. And even with those two, you still have questions and mark, question, question marks with age and injury. Uh, Zach Lloyd especially has injury problems with concussions. So it's a lot. Of, it's really up in the air right now. But if everything does work out and they ha- and they they are partnered together, you're looking at two guys who can play with the ball at their feet a little bit. I am a little worried about aerial threats in the air. So there's a lot of questions left unanswered right now. Rob, I'm looking over the um, the whole list from, from Atlanta's picks. I, I got to, um, we did our own little mock draft just for us uh, because we're dorks. Um, I was, I picked as Atlanta and uh, many of the names that I ended up grabbing were picked, not necessarily by Atlanta. I think it was like three, spread out out of the five. I think Minnesota ended up grabbing some of mine. But anyway, um, what did you think of the trades that came after the draft? Atlanta traded, they picked Clint Irwin, traded him back to TFC for Mark Bloom and some general allocation money. They picked Donnie Toya and then traded him to Orlando for the eighth pick in the first round of the upcoming Super Draft. How, how did that? Uh, how did that whole thing grab you? I would say both trades are pretty head scratching, especially the Danny Toya trade. When you think about it, they in the in the priority expansion draft they chose to go with the expansion draft pick over the super draft pick, and then they end up trading the first overall pick for an eighth eighth pick in the super draft. I mean, it makes you think they made made maybe had a plan going in that kind of got screwed up by the 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 list release. I don't think. We, we we targeted Gonzalo Veron from New York Red Bulls. We thought he might be available, and then when the list came out, it seemed like a couple of top guys like got cut off. So maybe a wrench got thrown into their plans or something. So what do you think of the of the the players that were kept? We mentioned Lloyd already, uh, Mikey Ambrose, the left back from Orlando, and then Alec Kahn, the goalkeeper from Sporting Kansas City. I would say of the three, Zach Lloyd has the most potential. If he if he can stay healthy, he can be a really good center back in this league, as we know. Maybe even all-star caliber. I honestly have no idea about um, Mikey Ambrose. Yesterday was the first time I've ever heard his name in my life. And then Alec Khan, can, he can compete for the backup starting job with our first ever signing, Alex Tambakis. I don't know much about him either, except for he's a local guy and has a few MLS starts. I mean, you really really can't argue with that. It was, it was interesting that because um, I I kind of ended up sussing out that Atlanta might want some local defensive players, but I ended up picking uh, Chris Duvall, who ended up going to Minnesota and now is playing for the Impact because, of course, there's like a tornado of moves attached to the expansion draft. Um, I guess we should go to the other the other end of the roster. We're talking about. Other than Lloyd, those guys are supporting players. Um, Atlanta's top end of the roster is pretty star-studded. Um, Kenwin Jones, with his Premier League experience, has been there for a while. Um, and then 
Well, Atlanta's already signed Miguel Almiron uh, for many millions of dollars, and will probably be adding Oscar Romero for almost as many million millions of dollars. Um, how wild is it watching an expansion team come in and immediately spend that kind of money on uh, big name players? It's been crazy to see the whole process from the team's name, from Arthur Blank, Arthur Blank actually caring and not you know just thinking of it as a side project. I think that's the big. I think that's the biggest thing right there is when you have a, a owner with a ton of money and is actually dedicated to bringing a world class soccer team. You're, I mean, the sky's the limit, and he's basically uh, put his money where his mouth is, and it's 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 so far so good. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not necessarily happy to be in the same conference as a team that can have Almiron and Romero, um, but I know that both of them have experience in the middle and on the left, so that will be um, pretty awesome to watch them interchange. I mean, from a from a neutral perspective, when they're not playing DC United, it'll be pretty. I think a pretty good show. Um, I guess the other question that comes to mind with me is uh, on the youth end. Um, I think it was the second official signing for Atlanta. I could be wrong on the number. Um, but uh, Andrew Carlton, uh, the winger, he's currently with the U.S. under-20s with uh, Chris Durkin, who um, uh, is big for D.C. United. Um, and he's been really doing a lot down there. What do you expect from him going into year one? Do you think he's going to actually see the field, or is he more like a player who ends up on loan and maybe two or three years down the road is getting time? It wouldn't shock me at all if he got at least 10, 10 games, maybe even a couple of starts. It's hard to judge with the U.S. U-17 team being so active this year, so he's going to be off on international duty a lot. But, I mean, from all I've seen, and I'm biased, but I, I think he's the best U.S. prospect in the game today. And I don't see no reason why he can't have a, a minimal impact in his first year. Um, my question is about the uh, the starting goalkeeper that you all are rumored to have. Uh, how excited for are you for Brad Guzan? And do you wish you had just kept Clint Irwin instead? When 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 Clint Irwin's, Irwin's name was read by Darren Eels on the on the expansion draft, my heart just lifted up like I was going to heaven, like we were going to make a smart move and maybe not <laughs> not not go after Brad Guzan. But that doesn't seem to be the case, and I would have much rather spend that um, first allocation spot on something else, like maybe a Juninho or something else. But oh, we've been we've been salivating over. Ways to move up the <laughs> allocation order to grab Juninho and bring him to DC. Maybe reunite him with his old uh, teammate Marcelo in the midfield. I mean, that would be the dream. They were they were perfect together in LA. But I don't hate Brad Guzan. Let me just put that out there. I just <laughs> I can't I can't condone spending a ton of money on a goalkeeper when an above average goalkeeper in MLS will have the same impact. Yeah, and then on the other side of that uh, trade, you're trading Clint Irwin back to. Uh, Toronto for Mark Bloom and some money. I mean, what what's what's the appeal of Mark Bloom? Why even bother going through that charade to get a backup quality fullback? I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily call him backup quality. I mean, he's a local guy. He can. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts at right back. He's the only right back we have on the roster right now. It's. I say he's probably league average at best, but. League average when you have so much world class attacking, ta- well not world class, but 
above that are really high quality attacking talent. You, I mean, it's wait and see right now, but I'm not really pessimistic about the move at right now. So, uh, you guys have chosen an interesting uh, model, at least for that goalkeeping situation. Uh, you haven't even signed your presumptive starter yet because the transfer window hasn't opened. And and yet I think three or four goalkeepers have technically gone through your books. Are you scared that Atlanta United is going to become another Philadelphia Union? <laughs> well, I mean, if we do, I can just come to you guys for all the jokes and <laughs> yeah, we'll be immune to it. <laughs> there you go. Uh so how do you feel about the upcoming season? Uh, and more specifically, which expansion team is is going to do better? Dude, dude, I'm not even answering that question. That's a ridiculous <laughs> question. <laughs> I, I know you, you, you've said you think this Atlanta team could actually be, be good. Let me just put it this way. I, um, Atlanta United has, more, had, had, has had more academy directors than Minnesota United will have ones next year. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And Jason. yes, I, I do think Atlanta United will be really, really good next year. It does. It, it looks like at the very, very least, they're going to be competitive just from the attacking talent, um, which actually I, I didn't even mention um, Hector Villalba, um, who came up from Argentina. Uh, he spent the last well, six months, five months on loan with um, uh, Tijuana, with the Jolos. Um he didn't play very much, but the expectation for him on the right side is, is pretty high, I, I would feel like. Um, how are you guys feeling about him? Because he's, what, 21, 22 years old? I believe he's 22. I'm not 100% sure on that. And yes, um, he played maybe two games at Jolos. And honestly, out of the three designated players, I'm most worried about him currently. Mm-hmm. Just from seeing similar players like Lucas Milano and Gonzalo Veron come into the league and really struggle to adapt, his all, everything I see on highlight reels and everything makes me excited about him. But th- those two little nuggets in the back of my head have me really worried. It's it's interesting to watch the players coming from the especially young player. I mean, in DC we had Luciano Acosta come up at the same age, and the first half of the season was. You know, he was in the wrong position, but also he was struggling to figure out the league. Once it all fell into place, though, um, he looked great. It's just a matter of does it fall into place or does it just never come around? Like Milano, for example, um, has never quite looked like it's going to come around for him. Um, is there is there a um, backup plan? Uh, if if Vialba ends up being a bust, is there is there a backup plan on the roster right now? Um, there's not too many backup plans at any position currently. Hopefully, we have some moves up our sleeves to uh, instill some depth in this team because right now we're pretty thin. If if Vijalba does does struggle, maybe you see Carlton get some some more minutes coming in, and that's worst case scenario. But I mean, that's not a bad worst case. One 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 advantage we do have from have from Portland and the Red Bulls is we have a, an Argentine manager who can relate to the player and make him feel comfortable. Like, you know, having an American guy who has no idea how to connect with the player. I mean, we have a little bit of an advantage in that situation. Yeah. yeah I don't think we're going to have video of Tata Martino attempting, uh, 
pigeon Spanish, like Jesse Marsh trying to talk to Gonzalo Verone, uh, <laughs> which I believe was just uh, like, go, go, uh, was like the extent of his advice as a coach uh, when he was sending him into the game. Um, that would actually be interesting is uh, getting some of those sideline. Uh, I guess that that'll be the issue for Martino is really not so much relating to the Spanish speaking players, but um, getting across to his English speaking players. Yeah, supposedly he's learning English, and his wife is even an English teacher, so hopefully oh, that's cool. by the next three months he'll have a decent understanding of what he's saying, and plus he'll have assistants working with him, so I think it'll be easier than having the vice versa situation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it will be cool if, to see if, if Tata can can succeed in MLS where maybe some other big-name non-American coaches haven't thrown themselves into the the vagaries of... MLS, which is a weird league, uh, procedurally and, and in other ways. Um, and it'd be cool to see, a a, a big, big time kind of guy with Barcelona, Argentina, Paraguay experience, um, really buy into it and do well. And so I'm, I'm rooting for you guys on that front. I want to talk about your stadium for, for a minute. Uh, how does it look like the situation is going to be at Mercedes Benz stadium? How's the turf going to look? Um, I, I know ticket sales are are through the roof, but can you talk about just the the general situation going into that? Well, the first real big situation is we still have a concrete date of when we're going to move in. It was announced three or four months ago that it would be June first. That got pushed back, and now it's not even looking. Maybe late July is looking optimistic. Maybe maybe even August and. So that's the first obstacle. Once we actually get into the stadium, you have the turf situation, which they say is the best tur- field turf you can buy. I mean, who doesn't say that in MLS? But I mean, knowing Arthur New England, Blanket, New England no- doesn't say that. <laughs> knowing knowing Arthur Blanket is going to be the best of the best. So hopefully that's not too much of a problem. And as far as the Falcon situation goes, I don't see that being much of an issue. They've made it clear that they're going to have a clear distinction between the two, the way the stadium looks and the way it way it's outlined in the field, the field. Cool. That's, I think that's uh, all the questions I have for you, Ben, Jason, anything else from you guys? Nope. Uh, I guess, I guess the one other thing that occurs to me, um, you guys signed uh, Junior Burgos a while ago. It actually feels like it's been like a year since that signing happened. Um, do you expect to see him getting minutes, or is he more just uh, filling out the roster at this point? Well, actually, it was just announced about an hour ago that he was going to be involved in the waiver draft, so he's pretty much oh. gone at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been I've been cooking and eating dinner. I did not see that. Um, there was I this... did not mean yeah. <laughs> There's actually one other development today about a roster move. Well, not a roster move, but just a player we have is Kenwin Jones actually got dropped from the national team. So we're kind of worried about him at development. So all these players that we've added before Tata became manager have kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit. So we're kind of worried about that. Yeah, Trinidad's uh, federation for years has been kind of, it's kind of a problem with between them and the players. So anytime guys get dropped, it's almost like, is it actually the player's fault or is it just politics? It's, it's, you know, it's a difficult situation. Uh, it seems like it's been going on for like 10 years. They had their dispute um, mm-hmm. over bonus payments back in the 2006 world cup. So we're at like a decade of Trinidadian players against the, the uh, football federation there. 
So ho- hopefully that's all the problem for it from Atlanta's perspective. Hopefully it's just, you know, Kenwin Jones has a dispute with them and they've decided to punish him more than it is anything else. Yeah, we can only hope. <laughs> Rob, thanks for coming on the show, man. It's been fun. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Rob Ushery. Same as my name. Um, find me at DirtySouthSoccer.com. Find me at StarsAndStripesFC.com. Find me at one of the 100 sites I do video social posts for. <laughs> Basically, just open the internet and I'll be there. <laughs> Anywhere, anytime someone wants to have American soccer banter, you will be there. When someone wants to mock Jurgen Klinsmann, you'll be there. If you want to talk about mixed discroots hair, I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we will be right here after a quick break to talk with Garrett Denny from E Pluribus Lunum. Try saying that without putting a smile on your face, I swear. Uh, Rob, thanks again. We will be right back. This is uh, Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben. Um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. We now invite Garrett Denny, another first-time guest, onto the show. He's from E Pluribus Lunum, possibly the best-named site in internet history. Garrett, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Great to be here. Uh, we, I, I warned you beforehand that, that we start oh. every interview this way. What are you drinking? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've got a, a beer right outside of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, in a little town called Eau Claire, Wisconsin, just across the border. It's the Brewing Project, and they've got this stellar new beer called the Midnight Oil Coffee Stout, and it's just blowing my mind. I've bought and uh, bought two four packs, and it's it's just rocking my world. I nice. I was unaware that Minnesota that folks awesome. were allowed to say nice things about Wisconsin. That beer sounds incredible, though. So I'm glad that beer could bring well, yeah, two I mean, you make a good point. Together, uh, pillars of fire are descending from the heavens as, as I speak. But Garrett, we asked Rob Usry from Dirty South Soccer this question too: Which team had the better expansion draft between Minnesota and Atlanta United's? 
Yeah, it's a great question, and I think it's difficult to answer for a couple of reasons. But first of all, because we're building our teams in, in such different ways, I'd love to hear his answer. Um, but but really, you've kind of seen Atlanta come out of the gates. They're so hot. They've got a lot of you know media hype right now. They're signing some huge names um, for MLS. Minnesota, on the other hand, up until yesterday, had three guys on the roster. You know, a day or two before that, we had two guys on the roster. So we're, we're really kind of taking the slow burn on this. Um, but you know, I think coming out of this, I'd really give our draft a B plus a minus. It was a really good draft. Um, you listen to the head coach, Adrian Heath, uh, who we just signed, used to coach for Orlando. Um, and he said they, they got all five guys that they wanted. They came out of it, uh, exactly where they wanted to be. Um, and at least talking among the, uh, E pluribus lunum staff, we're thrilled. Couldn't have gone any better. Uh, Rob, I think, was inclined to agree with you. He actually said that that you guys had the better draft. He he said some less really? nice things after that, but but as far <laughs> as the expansion draft, he he said you guys had actually done a little bit better there. Um, moving away from the expansion draft, at least for a moment, uh, big name on your NASL side is Christian mm. Ramirez. Yeah. What's the latest on him, and will he be joining uh, the Loons as they move up to MLS? Yeah, he's a huge name for us. He's a multi-golden boot uh, award winner um, in uh, in the NASL uh, for us. So we've got this piece on E Pluribus Lunum called Ramirez Watch, hashtag, and you can find that on Twitter as well. <laughs> We're kind of trying to keep tabs on the kid because a lot of us love him, myself included. He's really electric to watch. Um, he's very fun up top. He's attacking. He's a playmaker. Um, but for a long time, he's kind of been locked in this contract dispute. And you see this a lot. You know, guys are changing leagues or changing teams. And the number that they and their agent want and that the team uh, want are just too far apart, those two numbers. So it sounds like we're really close. There was news today in the uh, St. Paul Pioneer uh, press that we're days away from him being signed, which sent all of us over the moon. I love the kid. I want to see him in our jersey next season. Um, so if we could lock him down, maybe a multi-year deal and, and bring him on board, I think that'd be great. So you you said earlier that that Atlanta has come out really hot in the roster building while while Minnesota has been I think you said a slower burn. Uh, <laughs> where do you see Adrian Heath and and our buddy Amos McGee taking uh, the Minnesota roster through the rest of this off season? Yeah, and slow burn is probably a nice way of putting of putting it. You know, I, I think it's been frustrating for a lot of fans in that uh, we want news. You know, we want player signings. We want to see this team built. Um, but ultimately th those decisions rest with our coaching staff. And I think we need to kind of fall back on a posture of, of trust up front, at least, you know, we, we need to be skeptical. We want to see results, but, um, it really feels like they have a strategy. So it's, it's been nice to see this expansion draft go so well. Um, I think heading into, you know, the next couple of drafts, you're going to see the super draft is going to be critical. We have the top pick overall, and then moving into the preseason, you're going to see a really attack-minded team. Adrian emphasizes this a lot with Orlando. Um, so I think he's going to bring a mind that wants to see really attacking, uh, kind of flashy play. Um, I think Minnesota is going to take to that well. We're, we're a town that, if you guys know anything about our professional sports, we've got some gorgeous stadiums and empty trophy rooms. So I would love to see, uh, I would love to see a team put together that can really uh, kind of wow a crowd and, and draw a crowd as we, tr uh, first of all, try to fill TCF Bank Stadium at the University of Minnesota, but then ultimately our new stadium, which is being built uh, right in between Minneapolis and St. Paul. So looking forward to it, cautiously optimistic. Uh, so Garrett, I, I have a specific question about your new head coach. Uh, Adrian Heath had a had mixed results uh, in his season and a half as an MLS head coach. So how excited you are you about Adrian Heath? And do you think he was the right choice to lead uh, the loons coming up to MLS? 
Yeah, it's a great question, and I think a lot of us felt in the off-season coaching search that um, this was one of the most critical, and, and this is an obvious thing to say, but it really is one of the most critical decisions you make when you're establishing a new franchise. They have so much power to shape that roster, and I do think we made the right call. The, the nice thing about Adrian, the things that work in his favor are he's experienced, he knows the MLS system, the drafts, how you acquire players, how you build and retain talent. Very well. He's already been through this, so that's great. I think the knock against him is that he did kind of see some up-and-down success and lack of success in Orlando. But that said, I, you know, the guy had to have learned lessons from his time there. He must have tried things, found out what didn't work. And it was a pretty extensive and exhaustive search for a coach, so I imagine there were some pretty frank discussions about what are you going to tailor to Minnesota? What do you want to do differently this time? So, you know, again, it's it's kind of this mood across the state with our soccer fans of cautious optimism. We want to see this guy bring in the lessons from before, but we also want to see uh, that he learned from kind of the missteps in Orlando. And there were a few, not many, but we're really excited. You know, his nickname is Inchy. Uh, we're, we're thrilled to have Inchy in Minnesota. He's going to be a great head coach. Uh, Garrett, I guess I, I want, first I want to go back to, uh, some players you've already brought up for, from the NASL version of Minnesota United. Uh, Kevin Venegas, uh, on the right side, Justin Davis on the left side. Both of them have won, uh, team of the, or best 11 for NASL. I think Davis won like three years in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Um, for our listeners that haven't seen any NASL play, what are those two players going to bring to the table? Yeah, I think I think what they're going to bring is kind of a rock solid core to our back line. Um, what what Adrian Heath talks a lot about is a very uh, you know kind of up top attack minded squad, but that can really come and bite you in the back when you don't have enough of an anchor to stop the counter attack. So what's what's exciting to us at uh, at E Pluribus Lunum is the idea that we've brought two guys from the Nassau that were really good anchors for us. They played great defense. Uh, they saw us for a couple of seasons. They've grown. They've showed potential. Um, kind of to steal a term from the American footballing world, they have a high ceiling. So when they announced those first two, that really felt like a solid step in the right direction. Of If we're going to go out, we haven't used any of our DP slots yet, so maybe those will be a little bit flashier. Maybe they'll be midfielders, attacking mids, or even strikers. But what you've got are two guys that know the system. They know any other guys that we bring with them. Um, and, and hopefully they really lock down that, that kind of back line. So I, I think it's a good move. Um, you know, It remains to be seen how they adapt to the new league. This is true in any sport, but when you really go through a, a big promotion like this, that's the biggest question, right? Is can these guys make the leap? Can they make the transition? So that's what we're all waiting to see. We're rooting for them. They're great guys. We're glad to have them in Loon's gear. Uh, going back to the uh, expansion draft, uh, you guys took Chris Duvall with the first pick, uh, or for with your first pick, and then by the end of the day had traded him to Montreal uh, with a little bit of money for Johan Venegas. So you got all of the soccer playing Venegas's in the U S that I know of. Um, I personally have rated, uh, Venegas, Johan Venegas pretty highly uh, since he caused DC some problems in the CONCACAF champions league. What did you think of that move? Would you have rather have kept, uh, Duval or roll the dice on, uh, Venegas really finding his form in, in Minnesota? Yeah, well, look, I think Chris Duval is a, just a stellar player. We would have been fortunate to have him. He's our first overall pick, and, and they, I think they picked well. So when we saw him come off the board, you know, right away in that first round, uh, I think it was a good move. 
Um, he's kind of a solid guy. He's, he's 25 years old, so he's right in kind of that sweet spot of his career where he's got some seasoning, but he could really, you know, have a long tenure in Minnesota. But like you said, it was <laughs> quite the active day for a team that started the day with three guys on our <laughs> roster. We sure made uh, we sure made some moves. So I'm I'm glad to see this move. I personally, I'm a fan of Costa Rican teams and Costa Rican players. We've got some ties uh, to the country. I've seen some games live down there, and Johan is, is going to be no exception. He's really shown some flair. He's really shown some potential back in Montreal what we'd like to see is for him to kind of slot in is that real attacking piece hopefully one of a couple of guys up top is either attacking mids or or strikers up top that can really kind of buy into Inchi's vision for this team and create something that's very high press very attacking and scores a couple of goals a game we'll see how he adapts but um we're all very very happy with having Yoan on the team um, going to the guys that might be supporting him in the midfield, uh, Minnesota picked up Colin Warner and Mohamed Saeed. When we did our own, uh, mock draft, uh, I, I, I was picking for Atlanta, but Steven Streff, uh, uh, one of our staff members was pointing, uh, was picking for Minnesota. And we were both before the draft discussing the fact that those two guys were definitely going to be on our lists. Um, do you think that Minnesota is going to build uh, a starting midfield involving those two with Warner as the the holding midfielder and then Saeed a little ahead of him as the sort of the linking guy? Or do you think they're going to look for somebody to compete with them for starting time? I really hope so. You know, the nice thing about our draft is we got some guys that really kind of bring in a couple of years of MLS experience. It's so key. And we wrote about this on the on the website that one of the things that's tough to quantify is that feeling in the locker room when you're kind of taking the pitch for the first couple of games. And, you know, it's got to be scary. It's got to be nerve wracking. And what you want is a calming presence. So I think Adrian Heath does that as head coach. He's got a couple of years behind the helm of Orlando. So he really brings a steady hand, but you need guys like this, like Mohammed and Colin that kind of come in and say, look, we've been here before. We've had some time in the league. We've been playing for a couple of years. This is old hat. So follow our lead, follow, follow in our footsteps. And, you know, that goes for any guys that we bring up from the Nassau as well. They might be older guys, uh, you know, 24, 25, 26 years old, but they can look to these guys as kind of proven known quantities and lean on their experience. So I love it. I'd love to see them uh, compete for a starting job day one. We'll see who else we sign. You know, it's kind of uh, a mystery what our depth is going to look like. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to find out what that'll what that'll eventually shape out to be. But I think both of them really bring some strength to the team um, in a way that we didn't necessarily see coming. We only picked a couple of guys that eventually went off the board for either team um, in our mock draft. So seeing both Muhammad and Colin land at Minnesota is great. Uh, you know, they come from uh, kind of established clubs, and, and I think they're going to bring a lot of experience. My, my last question is with a player that isn't with Minnesota right now. We already talked about Christian Ramirez. Um, the other player that, at least for our listeners, that is probably well-known as associated with Minnesota United is Miguel Ibarra, who spent the last couple of years with uh, Leon in Mexico. Um, the word is that Portland holds his MLS rights via various uh, machinations that MLS fans are familiar with by now. It's it's just confusing as to who holds whose rights at any given time. Um <laughs> Do you think the Loons are going to pursue bringing him back, or is it, is it just going to be too difficult to do anything there? You know, I wouldn't be shocked. Kind of the you know the talk online right now is that there's a possible, and again, this is total speculation, guys. I've got no inside line on this one, but the speculation is that there could be a trade with Jeff Attenella, um, who we picked up from Real Salt Lake. He was their backup keeper, but a, a totally competent starting keeper mm -hmm. that I'd love to see stay in Minnesota. The rumor is, though, that uh, you know we could trade him away for that uh, for that opportunity to bring Ibarra back home. 
uh, to Minnesota. I, I'd love to see him come back. He, he was a great, uh, a great player for us back when we were in the Nassau. It was unfortunate that he had to go. You know, I understand why we made that decision, but I'd love to see him back in a Loon's jersey, especially paired on the pitch with uh, with Christian Ramirez. They're great friends in real life, and together on that pitch, it could be interesting. You know, there's not a lot of uh, huge DP splashiness happening yet in Minnesota. But I think what we're going to develop is something that's very indicative of kind of our culture and our attitude in the upper Midwest. And it's just good, hardworking folks that know how to get the job done. So uh, guys like we were talking about earlier from, you know, Chris and Colin and Muhammad, but also guys like Miguel and Christian. These are guys that they're not going to drum up headlines day after day after day like some other teams. And that's okay. I think we still can go out there and win games with this squad. So I would love to see it happen. You know, I think in the next maybe week, two weeks here, as we head toward Christmas, we'll know more. But um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that would happen. You want know one thing? Uh, I would just add that I, I would hope that Ibarra ends up in Minnesota because at least between Minnesota and Portland, because Portland drafted and cut him loose. Um, and it was Minnesota that actually saw his talent and got something out of him, uh, after he, I think he fell to the supplemental draft and then ended up in Portland and then got cut. So, um, if a team that wasn't in MLS at the time, uh, gets the benefit from the rest of the league, not understanding a, uh, an undersized attacking player's talent coming out of college, then I think that's, that's good because I think MLS teams need to learn that lesson that, if you see a guy in college who is talented but isn't like six foot tall, it's okay. Uh, he can still yeah. play soccer. You don't have to be that tall to succeed in MLS. Um, so if there's a place he's going to end up in this league, I would rather it be Minnesota certainly than than Portland, who already had their shot. Yeah, I completely agree. I think taking you know taking those chances when you're in a lower tier uh, league um, and they pay off like that. I do hope we can reap kind of what we sowed there. You know, that said, um, I would also like to find a way to keep Jeff around, that goalkeeper that we drafted. If there's any way we can make that deal work without giving up Jeff, I would be over the moon. Now, if if he becomes kind of the bargaining chip, I guess it's business, but I'm really in love with this guy as our starting goalkeeper. So uh, hopefully the front office is listening to this podcast. I'm sure they all are, but uh, I, I would love to keep both of them. We, we have reason to believe that um... – filibuster is very big in front offices around <laughs> yeah. the league i think we can just confirm that on air right like all of the front offices listen confirmed every every front office we have asked about it has said that, that i i will say no front office we've asked about it has denied listening to <laughs> perfect um so you guys had a stadium groundbreaking uh ceremonial groundbreaking up in the snow up there in yeah. saint paul in midway um yep. What's that like? <laughs> it's, you know, if you ever saw the movie Fargo, it's the most Minnesota way that we could bring professional soccer to Minnesota is to have a groundbreaking. Did you have a wood chipper? Christmas. <laughs> yeah, no wood chipper. No wood chipper. Oh, man. Should not have brought up Fargo. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I, <laughs> it's such a Minnesota thing to do, right? You know, we we, we want a stadium. We're going to get a stadium. We've got pro football. I don't know. Why don't we just, uh, we'll groundbreak now. It's it's early December. Why not? Uh, I mean, it's, it's basically cold. summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe compared to February. Uh, so, you know, I it's, it's great to have that stadium underway is huge. For a long time, and you guys, everybody knows this, that goes through the stadium process. It's tough, whether you're asking for public money like a lot of teams do. Ours is privately funded. 
fortunately, by the ownership group. But it's still tough. They're looking for tax breaks, and um, you know that still has to go through legislature. So for a long time, this was this was kind of the linchpin on whether we were going to get an MLS team. And it looks like it's going through finally. There's a special session coming up, and they did the groundbreaking. So knock on wood here as I'm sitting on my desk, but I, I think that stadium is a reality. Well, uh, high hopes for you guys, uh, especially on the stadium front. Um, the DC Zoning Commission had a another hearing tonight, and we, you know, we recorded before the end of it, but I don't think they took a vote. So DC's the final hurdle between DC United and, and their stadium on Buzzard Point is still standing between them and the finish line. Somehow, all these weeks later, we'll we'll have to to wait a little longer. Um, back on the field. Who's going to have the better 2017? You will forever, at least for at least for this year. But to a lot of people, your fates and and the fates of the other interloper United down in Atlanta uh, will be tied together. Which one of the two expansion teams do you think will have the better 2017? <laughs> uh, you know, as a sports writer, I have to say uh, we got to wait and see. As a total Minnesota homer, <laughs> we're going to crush them. <laughs> I have no idea. You know, it's it's been really it's it's been really interesting to watch this offseason unfold. And like I was saying earlier, we we have such different approaches to how we've built these teams that um I think the delta between our two performances will be bigger than than a lot of people expect. Whether that's good or bad for Minnesota, I don't know yet, but I do think you're gonna see these things pay off, these two strategies pay off in really different ways. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, but that said, guys, I really want to talk to you, and I know that you're kind of the the final word in this. I think we need a United Cup, right? Like United, United, United are all invited every year. There's some weird cup that's in the shape of the word United, and we just duke it out. Maybe you put three teams on the field. We have a triangular field. What do you think? All right. It, I, I wasn't with you until you said the triangular field. That piqued my interest. Um Part of me wants to say, you know, when when you guys have even combined between you 13 trophies to match DC United's trophy case, then we can talk. Um, But I'm not going to say that. I'm going to I'm going to say I will take it under advisement. Very good. I'm I'm into any uh, any contraption that involve or any any configuration that can allow three teams to play a game of soccer somehow. Uh, I'm not sure what that field would look like, but. I say build it and uh, let's let's have a game. It'll just for the sheer like what the hell is going on factor. Um, and will see, there be one, two, or three balls on the field? That's what I want to know. Maybe you guys need to tell me. I'm not sure how, how many how many Maybe, balls would you prefer on the field? I feel like two somehow. Yeah. is correct. It's not right, and that's why it's correct. Uh, is that I, I agree entirely. <laughs> I love it. Uh, hey, look, I, I, uh, last I checked, I am totally authorized to commit our team to any tournaments that I want. So I'm just going to go ahead and say Minnesota United will be there. I said so. So sign us up. All right. Um, we'll have to get Rob back on the show to, to get commitment from, from down south <laughs> on that one. Uh, until then, though, Garrett, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Check us out, epluribuslunum.com. Great stable of writers there following Minnesota United. We're so thrilled to join you guys in MLS, guys. We're really excited. And we're, we're glad to have you uh, both in MLS and on SB Nation. Everyone, thanks for, for listening to the show. Find us at blackandredunited.com. We're on Twitter, at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or the podcatcher of your choice. 
Uh, thanking Garrett and Rob one more time for Jason and Ben. I'm Adam, and we will talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Funny looking in a general way. Difficult preaching is posthumous pleasure. Pleasure in preaching starts in the heart. Something that stimulates the music.